You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vince and Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Vince. Hello, everybody, and welcome to issue 269 of the Comic Book Informer Podcast, coming to you on June 28th. What's up, Raj? Boy, you nailed it this week. I, I, I practiced. <laughs> I know you did. Uh, same old, same old. Slice thumb. It's getting better. The spoon's holding it in place. <laughs> See, and here I thought all Canadians had healing powers. No. <laughs> Man, I wish. Because <laughs> Speak- this is annoying as all hell. <laughs> Speaking of which, did you see the news that uh, Marvel announced today? No. Justin Trudeau is getting a Marvel cover. <laughs> which one did they say? Um, I think it's like one of the Civil War miniseries, but it's him and he's like in a boxing ring for some reason and he's surrounded by Alpha Flight. That's hysterical. <laughs> that's because he did some boxing thing before. So that's fantastic. <laughs> All right, then, as for this week's discussion, uh, I decided we would look at the Back to the Future comic that's been coming out from IDW recently, starting with the original four-issue Back to the Future miniseries. This, I, I wasn't quite sure what to expect from this, but I think they went an interesting route of really playing with what you can do, of course, with the time travel franchise and doing an anthology series of, as they call, untold tales and alternate timelines. Uh, it's, of course, being an anthology, there's multiple writers and multiple artists. I want to spend half the episode naming them all, but uh, overall, pretty decent work, huh? Yes and no. And the only it's, reason... Being an anthology, it's also very hit or miss. Yeah. And it, the problem also is that because we played through the Telltale game... A lot of it was just revisiting something that we've already done. We're not getting to Citizen Brown just yet. Okay, well, I'm just saying. (laughs) Fine. Because my opinions don't matter then. I'm just saying that's that's a completely separate title. Whatever. (laughs) That's the one I started with, so. Okay. (laughs) Would you like to talk about Citizen Brown first then? No, that's all right. (laughs) Goodness. New new record of going completely off the rails. So yeah, being an anthology series, my my issue with this was like it was interesting to read some of these, but there really isn't much impetus of like, oh, I need to go check out another issue. Like if I wasn't talking about it for the podcast, I probably wouldn't have kept reading because I said some of it was good, some of it was fun, but some of it was also kind of disposable and throwaway. I, enough of it. And again, I'm going to go back, but it's different. But my point remains that I kept going back to, instead of reading this, I could be playing the game again where my choices actually matter. And there's, it's a lot more in depth and not just presented so in such a linear fashion, even though it's time travel, it just felt like it was very much on rails. My God, this is full of puns here, but you know what I mean? <laughs> so were there any of the stories that did stand out to you? Not really. Not all that much. And hmm. again, I'm, and I'm a big fan of the franchise. However, I'm finding as I'm reading and I'm, I'm, I didn't read them all. I'm finding as I'm reading them that, I don't enjoy the franchise as much in comic book format. 
And yeah, so much of what makes it successful is the acting. Yeah, yes. Be it the acting, acting, or the voice acting. Or in the case of, again, the game, not just the voice acting, but also that feeling of being within that that franchise, which is huge. But I find that, and I, I, I have a feeling that I would feel the same if it was in even in novel format. I don't feel it lends itself quite as well to the written word, and in this case with images. And I think a lot of what I had here is we've talked a lot about other licensed properties that really nail the tone to the point where like we can fill in the actors that we expect to be in those roles. But I think a lot of this was a little too over the top. It was a little too cartoony. Like I think that's a perfect explanation. A lot of these stories read like a Saturday morning cartoon. And I think Back to the Future did have a Saturday morning cartoon at one point. I That I don't know. But there, there were a couple that I enjoyed, uh, mostly the ones that filled in the stuff like in between the movies. Uh, was it the one, the Doc Who Never Was, which goes back to uh, Doc Brown in the 60s and fills in that whole thing about his lab burning down and all of his work being lost and coming to find out, you know, it's something he did himself. And I appreciate like using that time travel mechanic to kind of fill in those points in the timeline, which for, again, a time travel story, a lot of those missing points do turn out being pretty important for yeah. some reasons. Yeah. <laughs> and I also liked Emmett Brown Visits the Future, which uh, took place before the second movie, basically telling how he made the car into a flying car by visiting the future the first time without Marty, the dark, dark, deep future of 2015. Because <laughs> yeah, we got freaking flying cars parked all over the damn place now. <laughs> But I, I liked the the ones, also the one uh, looking for a few good scientists, the one uh, about Doc joining the Manhattan Project. I, there were some fun ones in here, but then there were also like, did we really need to see Biff Tannen fighting dinosaurs? I'm going to go with no. <laughs> Simple as that. But I mean, apparently there was at least enough to this that people were reading it, that it went from being a four issue miniseries. to now it's an ongoing up to issue seven or nine, I think seven where they've done away with the anthology format and are just doing an ongoing storyline. So I don't know, like I'm interested to see what they would do, but again, I don't think they had enough of a handle on the right tone for the franchise to really endear me to continuing to read it. Yeah. Because again, going back to what I was saying, like it's some some franchises do lend themselves very well to this format. Case in point, Star Trek we've seen, Star Wars. There's a whole bunch of other ones too that it can work and work exceptionally well. It's for whatever reason, and again, I'm a huge Back to the Future fan. This really, really didn't click with me. Maybe I wasn't in the right frame of mind. Maybe these just weren't the right stories for me, but it just... I found like I was just forcing myself to read through them. And that's certainly not what I wanted from the experience. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. Like, like I said, if I hadn't specifically picked these four issues to read for the podcast, I probably wouldn't have read all four of them myself. Yeah. But as for the miniseries that's currently going on, the Back to the Future Citizen Brown, that one's written by Bob Gale and Eric Burnham, who did a number of the stories in the anthology. Art by Alan Robinson and Maria Santoala. And like we said, this is... Basically a – I don't want to say basically. It is a retelling of the Telltale game in a comic format. And as someone like you who played through the game, there's nothing here for me. It doesn't do anything to enrich the story of the game or expand upon it. It's just a 
straight one-for-one recreation of the story of the game. The important thing to note here is that if you have not played the game... It's a cool comic, I'm sure. (laughs) Which, incidentally, on sale, 75% off right now on Steam. Um, It's it's actually fun to read because it, it, it was a really fun story in that game. That's why we liked it as much as we did when we reviewed it for, for our gaming podcast. And so had I not played it, then yeah, I would have loved this. But as I'm reading it, it was like, I, I did this. This is like, I know all of these things. And it was so identical to what was happen what happened in the game that there was really no, no point in reading it essentially. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting, the main writer, Bob Gale, he actually worked on the game for Telltale. So obviously he knows how to create and adapt a Back to the Future story for a different medium. And I, I just think it's kind of strange that he didn't even try to do that here. But could they have? I mean, the story has to progress in essentially the same manner as it did in the game. So it would stand to reason that there's not a ton of wiggle room there. And mm-hmm. that's basically yeah. what we got. Plus, the other thing, too, is that, again, when you look at the success of the game, in terms of how well written it was and how good the characters were and all that, well, you want to make use of that. You, you, it, was go- it was good, so let's use it, as opposed to who knows what they could do otherwise. So I can see why it's this way. It's just that for people who played the game, there's really not all that much of a reason to, to read this. Yeah. But as we said, if you haven't played the game, I'd say it's worth checking out the oh, comic. Oh, most definitely. Or honestly, you can get the game for cheaper right now. Yeah. Yeah. If you have <laughs> the time. You can get, get the, the entire game. game for the price of one issue. <laughs> yeah. The game can't stress enough. The game was a ton of fun. Really enjoyed it a lot. But if you prefer, again, reading comic books and you want that story, what I read here was good. And it was, again, because it's a retelling of what we've already played, but it was good. You would enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Well, then switching over to what else we've been reading, it's fairly obvious the last couple of weeks I haven't quite, you know, been into a whole lot. This week, though, Marvel really did kind of satisfy a lot of it's one of those things where I'm not liking very many of their comics. So they just put out the ones that I am liking all at the same time, <laughs> starting off with Mighty Thor. Uh, after they did that couple issue like side story for this new villain that they're establishing, This was one of those issues that we've talked about before, and it was so great, um, where it focuses on Jane being Jane and not Jane being Thor. And, of course, dealing with her cancer treatments, dealing with S.H.I.E.L.D. and uh, the Odinson's girlfriend who, you know, their, their, I don't want to say relationship, but how they, they act around each other and having to deal with, you know, people wanting to know who the new Thor is. And of course, Jane Foster would know because she knew who the old Thor was. So a lot of really good character stuff for Jane herself while still having some really cool Thor stuff in there. And that's what I really love. And this issue has done it better than any of the previous ones. What Clayman and, oh God, I don't have it right in front of me. Whoever does, I think it's Matt Hollingsworth that does the colors, but I may be wrong about that. I apologize. They make Jane as Thor so incredibly badass and so strong and powerful and great on the page. But what they do outside of the line work with the colors and the backgrounds still makes her very feminine. And I just really enjoy that good balance of being a super strong character while still also being a super strong woman. I really like it. And it, it, this issue really worked on a lot of levels for me. Awesome. Continuing with that, Ms. Marvel 
of course, continues to be one of the best comics they're putting out, despite being a Civil War II tie-in. Because, as I said, with Civil War II, the story they're telling about this inhuman that can predict the future and prevent crimes, I think is an interesting story to tell in comic books. I just didn't think it was the right story for this huge event that's going to pit the heroes against each other. But what we have here is Kamala herself personally dealing with this, where she's recruited by Carol to you know, lead a team, to you know, act on these visions and protect people. And she's super into it because this is, you know, what she wants. She can help people before they, you know, prevent people from getting hurt, prevent crimes from happening. She's super into it. But as the story goes on and it ties in with, of course, Kamala herself being a minority when she talks to her new sister-in-law about how all the negatives for this and how in a lot of ways it's it can be related to racial profiling and a lot – accusing people of doing things before they've done them, regardless of if you're predicting the future or, you know, following your own misguided trends and whatnot. So this is what I really wanted with the Ulysses storyline that they're doing in Civil War II of it actually being good fodder for really good moral dilemmas in the superhero comics. And we're seeing it at least here in Ms. Marvel working to great effect. And then finally, the latest issue of Power Man and Iron Fist. Yeah, I was going to talk about that one too. Not a super deep story, not great character development, just a fun 20 plus pages of comic books. It's a goofy story, but I enjoyed it. I'm all for actually having fun in comics and that everything has to be super serious. Bonus shout outs to all the Akira Kurosawa references. <laughs> uh, yeah, this was just a blast. The art continues to be fantastic and very dynamic and different from anything else that they're putting out. So it was really enjoyable for me. The thing that I liked about it is that it was it is very much that tired old cliche of he said, she said, he said to everybody tries to tell the same story and you try to uncover what the truth is there. We've seen that so many times, mm-hmm. but once again, it's how it's done. And this was fun. I liked all the characters. I liked the DJ dude was awesome. And I liked how... Um, the two of them, Luke and I are, and, and, and Danny are like listening in as is being told. And then you, you find Even better is the cutaway to Jessica. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. The, uh, and then you're finding out like, like it was such a stupid encounter. It was just so ridiculous and an accident. And it was just, again, it was well told. It was fun. Yeah. And it, if you're going to do something and you execute it great, we'll always praise it. Yeah. So what else did you have to talk about then? Dude, freaking Gwenpool was awesome. <laughs> oh, I I forgot. I was going to check it out and I completely forgot about it. Have you read any of them yet? I, I was going to use the latest issue coming out as my opportunity oh, and I just son of a bitch. flaked. <laughs> All right. This was awesome. <laughs> this is the best thing that Marvel's putting out now every freaking month. I adore this character so much. It's unbelievable. I love the crazy stuff that she gets into. The writing is really, really good, like intelligent good. Christopher Hastings is doing a great job. And then uh, Guri Hiru, I don't know if that's an actual person, if that's their tag or if that's a company who does the art. I don't know. But man, the art is just continues to be spectacular. I love it. And this is the one where 
She needs to, because she has no ID, because she's not from that world. So she needs something so that she can start getting paid and make money and survive. And so she gets an appointment with Stephen Strange. (laughs) And he goes, like, with her through this, like, mystical means to her planet, which is our world, essentially, to see what he can do. And, And there's a scene where he's looking in on it, and he sees at the cinema Doctor Strange and he even says Benedict Cumberbatch eh? yeah sure I can see that (laughs) it was just like oh that was awesome but there's a whole bunch of those throughout and he helps get her settled on the comic book world it was just a ton of fun I really enjoyed it and I love that she carries her old buddy's skull in her in her shark backpack (laughs) I love everything about this comic everything did you read that? Uh, might be one of the strangest out of context things I've ever heard about a comic book. Yeah. It's it's who she is. <laughs> um, did you read the latest uh, Web Warriors? I, indeed, I did. <laughs> With the freaking <laughs> giant transformer things in well, the here's, cartoon here's the world. Thing. That's an actual toy line Marvel put out a few years ago. Oh, is it? Yeah, I forget what they called it, Terramorphers or whatever they were saying. Like, that's an actual toy line they put out. And they're joking, like, why would anybody want this? Because I remember walking by and seeing it on the shelf and going, why would anybody want this? Now we know. Why would the Hulk need a Mega Morpher? <laughs> and Octavia just continues to be freaking awesome in here. I I adore her. She's just so freaking awesome. And again, this is, in my opinion, still the best Spider-Comic out right now. I'm not even going to argue with that anymore. And by a lot. Like, again, if you look at all of these spiders being juggled in even just this one issue, it's all done exceptionally well. Not everybody has to be on all the time. There's different things happening. Some are more at a more relaxed pace despite what is going on, the frantic need to get back home kind of deal, or together, I should say. And then you have the zaniness of these mech giant mech things like it was just it was freaking awesome i loved it lastly we watched teenage mutant ninja turtles too okay did you watch the first one yeah we had already seen it before i I, i'm just asking because i haven't bothered oh it's bad both of them are bad. which is why i haven't bothered. oh yeah yeah but in comparison to the first one though bad (laughs) just as bad oh yeah but but again that's and and what's ironic is that i'm still going through and getting caught up on the series and every issue is awesome every issue is like man that was really freaking good i love that so it's not that i don't like turtles and then you have my wife who adores the turtles and she actually prefers like the animated shows in the Mm -hmm. movies she doesn't obviously she doesn't read the comic books so I, she wanted to see it, so we saw it. She enjoyed it a lot more than I did. She does not have a problem with the way they look and stupid thing that happens. So she was all right, and she laughed at a number of things. She was very tired. I will say that. <laughs> she was very tired. But And there were a couple of points where I did chuckle. Nothing spectacular, but a couple of points where I'm like, ah, that was funny. But she enjoyed it a lot more than I did. But, man... The 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 Bebop and Rocksteady stuff was oh hard to watch at points. The uh, Krang was just a farce of a character. 
Like he might as well have been a Frenchman with a twirling mustache. It really, that he would twirl between his tentacles. It was that ridiculous. I mean, when you're reading in the comic book, it's ridiculous and pompous and everything else. But because of the manner in which it's presented, it's still meant to be imposing. And he still has some gravitas, even though he's a freaking squid in a mech suit. But in the in the movie, they made it out to literally be twirling a mustache. Ridiculous. It just was. And that's how Rocksteady and Bebop were just utterly stupid. Like, the characters were beyond idiots. Like, we're talking special school with a helmet on when you're going on the bus. They were idiots. Unbelievable. And so um, so there's a lot of different things like that that you're like, well, that's just kind of stupid. And then Casey, this time around, was a dude from Arrow. And I like right. him. I, I, I like him. So it was like, okay, that's not bad. And he's not the same kind of character, but I no problem letting go of that and just moving on with, okay, this is Casey. I wasn't crazy about once again, April just being a sex kitten. Like the April in the comic is a smart woman and she always has been as well. Like damn smart. And like April, even cartoon April was pretty badass in her own way. Exactly. Whereas, I mean, yes, she was also frequently like the damsel in distress, but she was still also a great news reporter. Yeah. Well, even in the comic books, she, they, they strayed away from the traditional journalist thing, which mm-hmm. I was very happy about and made her into to a, a smart intern. But here I'm she, just saying this isn't one of those examples where we can hold up the comics of being, you know, the only good example because she's been good oh, in yeah, 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 many that's what other I mean. portrayals. Yeah, yeah. But this was just like, oh, man. It's once again she uses just basically stripping down to the shortest skirt to, to get what she needs and tying up her shirt. And it's just, again – comes off as just stupid. It really does. And then the turtles are the turtles. It's just, I hate the look of them in there. Not crazy about the voice acting overall. Um, And I just, I hate that as much as you often see it in the comics and in stories, it'd be nice if not every single story involving turtles are the, is the infighting of the boys not getting along. Mm-hmm. And then eventually coming together because that's what brothers do. It'd be nice if there was a story where that didn't happen. But that's like full blown in this one here. So there again, there were a few points that were well done overall. Horrible movie though. Like you got to be a pretty diehard fan or my wife to have enjoyed this. <laughs> and that's it for me. All right. God, 2016, the year of incredibly bad movies <laughs> and Civil War. <laughs> All right, this week's new releases are dominated by Marvel. They're bringing us all new, all different Avengers number 11, Black Panther number 3, Captain America Steve Rogers, finally issue 2 is out, Captain Marvel number 6, Darth Vader number 22, Extraordinary X-Men 11, Spider-Man number 5, and Spider-Man Deadpool number 6. Oh, hey, real quick, have you been reading the Spidey series? No. You know what? It's actually really good. Like, not amazing, but it's actually really good. I enjoy the stories. Uh, maybe now that I'm not reading so many other comics, I'll give it yeah, a shot. Yeah, again, just, I'm not, at the time, my, <laughs> I was full enough. I'm not putting it on par with like Web Warriors, but mm-hmm. in terms of just picking it up and enjoying a classic Spidey story where some really fun things happen because a lot of it is team ups. Like the issue, I posted a couple screenshots on Twitter, the one where he's with Black Panther is hysterical. 
because Black Panther just keeps like sighing and going, Americans and shaking his head. (laughs) Oh, that's what that was from. Okay. I saw those pictures. I was like, what is he reading? There's no new Black Panther comic. That's Spidey. Because every time he turns around to talk to him, Spidey's taking off and he's just jumping in and doing whatever. And it's like, oh, Americans. (laughs) All right. All right. Interesting. And outside of that, it's a pretty short list from Image, East of West, number 27, from IDW, Ghostbusters International, number six, and the final issue of Transformers Sins of the Wreckers with number five, and from Valiant, Bloodshot Reborn, number 14. So that's going to wrap us up here at Comic Book Informer. As always, you can find us online at comicbookinformer.com or on Twitter at CB Informer. And until next week, thanks for listening. Make sure to stop by comicbookinformer.com and let the guys know what you think in the comments. If you'd like to hear more from Roger and Vince, check out Popcorn Ronin, a bi-weekly movie, TV, and anime podcast, as well as For the Lore, a weekly gaming podcast.